Hello, we'll wait here just a few minutes for Facebook to push this out, then we'll get started today. All right, we're going to go ahead and start. We have a few with us, so we appreciate you joining with us today on Facebook Live and also those that will watch later on on Facebook and also uh, on YouTube. Hi, Sharon Tweehouse and Ann Smith and Carl. Glad you guys are with us today. Uh, we're continuing our study, and we will be for a long time. Uh, basically, uh, I'm teaching the spiritual code and symbology of the living word. Hi, Kay. And the way we're doing this right now is we're going to go through the book of Revelation. I started a couple of weeks ago, and this will be our third Revelation. lesson. I mean, not Revelation, excuse me, <laughs> the, the Epistle of Romans. And I started this a couple of weeks ago, and uh, today we're going to be looking at Romans 1, uh, verse 23 through 32. And I, if you're new to this, watching this with us, I have translated the book of Romans. It took me about three years to do that. And so I'm going to teach through that and... Uh, what I'm doing is just uh, allowing the Father to have a word stand out to me or a sentence stand out to me, and then I'm going to teach from that and try to explain these things. And the first thing I want you to understand, if you haven't been with us, and most of you do understand this, but the first, uh, first seven chapters of Romans was Paul talking about uh, the condition of the world from the foundation and what caused mankind to live the way they had been living. And of course, we know even today, people still live that way. And, but he never condemned them. He, he, just, he pointed out the problem and then he gave the answer. And there, there are answers in the Word of God to help us if we will pay attention to us. As we're, if we're struggling, if we're still living in a measure of as carnal or whatever, there's always an answer. And we don't have to plead with God and ask God to deliver us from anything. We just look at the answer and then we say, Father, help me do this. And the main thing is to change our awareness because we know the Bible now is all about an awareness. So I'm going to read this to you. And it says in Romans 1 23, it says, and I'm not going to go all the way to 32. I'll continue that, but I won't go all the way to 32. But in Romans 1 23, it says, in their false perception of father and themselves and their imaginations, they made the goodness, the nature, the character and the love of the eternal father different than it was. They made father like unto their image of what they believe themselves to be, <clears throat> a perishable hewn down man, what we call human, in the same category as birds, earthbound beasts, and reptiles. So why did they believe themselves to be other than what father said they were from the foundation of the world? Well, we know the answer and it tells it in the Bible, they fed from the knowledge of good and evil. Father said you can eat of any tree, but don't eat from that tree. And trees always symbolize teachers. So you can feed from any teacher that's teaching the truth, but don't feed from the teachers that teach from the knowledge of good and bad. The word evil really means bad. And most of us have to say that we sit in church most of our life and we fed from teachers that taught the knowledge of good or bad because that's what they were taught all their life. <clears throat> Excuse me. And also that came from all the various religions, uh, the paganistics and mythological teachers, uh, they followed them. And when you start feeding on that, it convinces you of that truth. And what do you do? You self-condemn yourself. 
So from there, they embraced the false teaching and the, the result was self-condemnation of themselves. Father never condemned them whatsoever and we should never condemn people. We should never say that you've gone too far. I grew up in a church where the pastor said if you were doing a certain thing that you've gone too far and it's unforgivable and that was not true. And we know the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And it literally means, as a man thinks in himself and his awareness, so is his realization. A lot of people have different realizations, but they're just not true. Uh, we all do this. We talk to people all the time, and, and particularly me as a minister. And what I teach, I try to share the truth with people, but their realization hinders them from hearing it because... Uh, they believe that to be true, and if they believe that to be true, it's very hard, for, hard when the truth comes, and what happens is they think the truth is the lie. <clears throat> so the le they left their right brain thinking, if you would, and they allowed their a left brain to dominate their thoughts, hence the woman made me do it. And for more of left brain, right brain, you can uh, go to Dr. K. Fairchild's YouTube channel or on her Facebook. She's, I think she's got something like 200 lessons or more that she's taught on uh, the left brain, uh, the, the right brain, left brain connection. So while reading a Father's goodness in here, when I read in that verse, and nature and character and love, I thought of the word absolute. That's what came to my mind was absolute. And what does absolute means? Well, absolute means a value or a principle which is regarded as universally valid, uh, of which may be viewed without relation to other things. Uh, it's absolute implies being complete. It implies being perfect. It implies being free from limitation and restrictions or exceptions. Having unlimited authority is one of them that I found. I looked up several places for the meaning of it, as in absolute ruler. If you're the absolute ruler, there is no other ruler, right? I watched uh, the movie, uh, a movie not too long ago on Rome. And after a while, you know, they had kings and different things. But after a while, they, after a while, they decided to have emperors. And when they announced and promoted somebody to be an emperor, that emperor had absolute power. No matter what he said, they had to do it. And so that's, that's pretty powerful. And then it means undoubted and absolute truth. It means the divine mind, unlimited principle, the almighty one, the all-pervading spirit, the infinite, the eternal, the supreme being, the one ultimate creative mind, the source of all things, and that which is unconditioned, unlimited, unrestricted, and free from all limitations. And to me, that's the self-existent father. The self-existent father is absolute. And everything the this, uh, this self-existent father said is absolute. And if the father said, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are perfect, you are holy, then you can count that that's absolute. But so many lies, so many false perceptions, so many different religions came in and began to teach their version of father, and it was not absolute whatsoever. And yet people believed it to be true. And to be a true mystic, which a mystic is a spiritual, a, a seeker of spiritual truth, to be a true mystic, which is, uh, is, is, they find it necessary, necessary to place his or her judgment in the absolute Father and the absolute source of all things. So when I look at you and I judge you, I judge you as Father judges you. I see you now as Father sees you, even though you may be presenting yourself different and doing things, quote, that are bad or whatever, or even doing things that are good, 
I still see you as Father sees you. In order to do that, to do that, then you demonstrate uh, you demonstrate His supreme power in your life. And I talked a lot about power a few weeks ago, but this is accomplished by first declaring that one's judgment is spiritual and it's not material. Because we look at people today and very easily we can judge them by the material. Oh, they're blessed because they have, they drive this or they do that, whatever. A man put a post on my, uh, one of my Facebook posts of the day. Oh, the one that I took a picture of my car tag that says you are holy. And he, uh, he sent a picture of a guy saying something about uh, uh, this guy had this nice car and he said, I tithe. And he was given that benefit to being blessed because he tithed. And so that's a judgment by material. It's something you do materially and you think you've been judged for that. But we, we our judgment spiritual is that is the origin is in Father, that all of our conclusions are based on truth. Right? It's just like I've said many times in the past, a doctor may tell you something, you know, and that might be a fact, but it's not the truth. It's a fact scientifically that there are things going on in my body that don't belong there. But the truth is that I am health. And I have a lot of people writing me, reminding me of what I say. Sometimes preachers need to be reminded what they teach. But I am health. I have divine health in me. And so my conclusion, it must be based on the truth, not on the facts. Because the facts can be very strong. I mean, I'm having symptoms. You've had symptoms that are very strong and they wear you out. And if you focus on that, you forget the truth. But the truth is I have, I am the very embodiment of divine health and so are you. So... They, these judgments are absolutely free from prejudice, they're free from false perceptions, and they're free from personal ignorance. You know, we, for most of our lives, we live with a false perception of Father. Every one of us have. Kay has in the past, she said it. Every preacher there ever was or ever will be has, has lived at one time or another with a false perception. And my desire is to get so much of the truth out that there's a new generation coming up that will never have a false perception of Father. That they're literally born that way and their, their parents teach them the truth. Their, their parents guard their minds and guards their, what they see and guards what they hear. And they only know that they're one with Father. So we must agree with this unification of mankind with Father, that we are one with Father. And that unifies us with absolute uh, absolute through recognition that we are sons and we are daughters of God and we are heirs of everything that Father said about us. You know, if my dad was a multi-millionaire and he died and I'm the only child and my heir to his state, then I have that, that finances in the natural and I won't lack for anything. But we have much more than natural physical things. We have spiritual things. We have spiritual life. We have spiritual provision. We have all things that pertains to spiritual life, and physical. So if I have everything and you do that pertains to physical, then I have everything within my body to deal with these symptoms that's in my body, what's going on in my body. And so by realizing the mind of contact with Father, we experience being one with the absolute Father or source, you know, whatever people, you know, people say universe, whatever, but it's all the Father. And so those who lived at the foundation, what happened to them is they digressed in their understanding of Father. You know, I know these verses I'm going to be teaching here in the next week or so. It's very difficult sometimes to teach for people because, uh, and, and, but then people who are judgmental, they love to teach it because they want to teach against homosexuality and all that. 
but it's not teaching. Paul's not teaching against that. He's just showing what happened. He could very much talk about people who lied or steal, you know, whatever other people do or murderers or whatever. But what caused that digression was they're embracing the teaching of mythology, paganism, and religious, religiosity. They sought after the gods of mythology. They sought after the gods of paganism and the various religions. And the result was is they lost sight of the one true absolute father and who we were. And so what did we do? We sought after the gods that religion taught us about. They think they're teaching about the one and only God, and most people think they are, but they taught their perception of that. And every, almost every religion you could go to, you can find a different God, a different version. Particularly in the charismatic area, you find a God that loves you or he loves you not, right? And then some of them you go to, it's a God that, well, I won't go through all of it, but it's, it's, it's that what happens is they did that, and when you do that, you lose sight, and you don't see with your spiritual eyes, you see with your physical eyes. And what does it produce? Fear, right? And in Scripture, Father said, I am not the author of fear. So everything that anybody wrote in the Bible that caused fear, that didn't come from Father. And I'm surprised they even left that in Scripture. So they even went up to groves, and you've, we, we've read many times and uh, that Paul talked about it in, in Acts. They went up to groves, <clears throat> which is a place up on a hilltop or whatever. And one was Astroth and then many other places, and they worshiped their false gods, one being Baal, and even images of themselves. They didn't just make images of animals or whatever, but they made images of their of themselves, what they thought they were, and again, they self-condemned themselves, and then what happened? They, de they, they declared themselves naked. When Father came to Adam, <clears throat> we liked and tend to want to just think Adam was one man and Eve was one. But I see Adam and Eve as the whole race of mankind, or you could say the first race of mankind. So Father came to mankind, if he would, and said, where are you? He, he was wanting, he was letting them think about it. Where are you? Because he knew where they were at. And, and they, they, they said, I hid myself. And then they, the reason they hid themselves is because, again, they said, I'm naked. They self-condemned themselves and saw that they were void of God's life. So what they did is they left the cool of the day awareness. They didn't leave a physical place, but it affected their physical place, right? It affected their walk. It caused them to literally leave their spiritual being and enter, and, and enter, enter into an awareness of just a body, which I'm going to point out a little bit later. But first and foremost, we were created spirit, right? The body came along later. The body awareness came along later. But he said, where are you? In other words, you, you're not walking. You're not, your awareness has digressed from the cool of the day. And now you're living as colonel. But they, you know, they just said, what did he say? The woman made me do it, if you would. And again, that could be the, the, the right brain and the left brain. And the right brain awareness begin to follow the left brain awareness. And so, therefore, again, they self-condemned themselves. And their declaration was only their imagination, but it was not true. That was not true of them positionally. They still were one with Father. They never lost the glory of God. They <clears throat> never lost their spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. So their de declaration, <clears throat> their declaration of yourself is very important. Whatever you declare about yourself, like I'm getting old, that's a, a lot to do, doesn't it? 
You know, I used to talk about how we get up in the morning and begin to declare what we're feeling like instead of saying, oh, bless thee, Father, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. There's another declaration that comes out quite often. And the most important declaration is, who am I? I've got to know who I am. And I declare that with words because words are powerful. So just like the day we live in, the majority of the thousands of religions in the world make Father much different than Father really is. And that's what Paul was saying here. They made Father different. They lied on Father, if you would. They begin to believe the lie. So if anyone teaches something other than the eternal loving goodness, loving nature, and loving character of Father, they're making Father different. And I wish a lot of preachers could hear this, and I wish they could, would listen to it. Sadly, there's not a lot of preachers of denominations or churches that are listening, you know, because they're afraid. And so uh, the majority of the people in the world have no clue of the truth uh, of goodness and the truth of nature and the true character of Father. And this is what the Apostle Paul was explaining to the epistles uh, in his epistles to the community of believers. And of course, and his other epistles uh, to the community believers like Corinthians and Philippians and Galatians and Ephesians and all of them. He was doing the same thing. I'm not going to turn there, but you can write it down if you want to reference it later. <clears throat> but Acts 17, 16 through 31 shows and symbols how the word of truth, which was Paul at that time. He was their comforter messenger, so he was the word of truth. He commends the intellect's attempt at religious worship. Yet he proclaims the shortcomings. The truth is everybody is seeking to know Father. Everybody. You know, in every uh, story of, of, of natives that lived on islands many, many years ago, they all had statues. Why, why would they have that? Why would they have some kind of false god that they have to worship when they're on that island and nobody had ever had any contact with them before? Because there's innate desire placed into us to know God. It's a seed that's planted in us. Focus on something. Yeah, and they need to see something physical, but they, that they know. And so Paul commends them somewhat because they are trying to know God, but they've gone to the wrong way. You know, we've sought, we've sought for love and where all the wrong places, if you would. And so they had this attempt of, 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 of worship. And so the intellectual concept of Father is always comparative, but it does not contain much truth. Right. And I can tell you that up to 1997, all my life in church, we were trying to seek God. We were trying to worship God. We were trying to understand God. But there wasn't a lot of truth, was there? We were trying to do to please God. We were trying to please God and do to please God, everything. But we thought that was seeking God because we thought that was the kind of God that we worshiped that needed us to do something. So uh, the Athenians were purely intellectual. Uh, the, the more, they had more than 3,000 images and statues of gods and of demigods. The, the, the Athenians. And, yeah. And they, they did all this in the city, and they te but it testified of their material concepts. They only knew their gods materially. And I, I, I like to watch a lot of... Uh, old movies about the Romans and about the, the pagans and about the, uh, the Greeks. Huh? Greeks. Greeks and all that, because it's very interesting. They all, they had a God of, of fertility. They had a God that 
they, they had the lightning God, they had the thunder God, they had the moon, every God there had did something for them, right? And if they pleased them, it was great. If they didn't, it was not. I watched one movie the other day where the Greeks were getting to, and this was a mythology story, but the Greeks were getting to attack the city of Troy. And uh, so they were all ready to go. They had their ships ready to go. And they looked out and the ocean was just raging. There's no way they could go, you know. And so they sought their priest to, to, to see whatever the god was of the ocean. And the god of the ocean said that uh, the king needed to sacrifice his daughter. And then the ocean would calm down. And then that's what they did. He took his daughter he loved very much and he sacrificed her. And it was horrible. And he, from then on, he literally was almost insane and angry. But see, that's what we thought. If I give up all my money, if I, you know, if we, we used to think that we had to give up our family. Because that was our version of our father. But that wasn't true. They knew there was some cause of all things, but they let false teachers tell them what or who it was rather than seeking father and spirit and truth. I believe a child can be born and whether their father knows the truth or not, I believe if that, that child would listen to what their innate voice with inside of them, they can seek spiritual truth. And father reveals it to you because it's already in you. The Bible says that we have a, have contact it says unction but we have contact with the holy one with the divine mind and we know all things already so there's nothing we want to know that we can't know hi sandra nothing would you agree with that that we can't know because it's in there already and so these perceptions uh if you would are typical of the consciousness that's not enlightened to the true goodness the true character and the true nature and the true love of Father. Because once you know that, nobody can teach you anything opposite from that. There's no way in this world that I can sit in a church today and let somebody teach a God that loves me or loves me not. Never again. I could never sit and listen to a teacher teach that I'm a sinner and I'm a sinner saved by grace. Or I'm a sinner and I need to get saved. I just couldn't take it. I would get up and walk out. And that's why I don't go to a lot of churches today because it would be very difficult for me to sit there and listen to the lie. And yet there are people that do that all the time, that know truth, but they've gone back. And the Bible says once they've tasted the goodness of the Lord, that what it says, the goodness of the Lord, <clears throat> it's nigh impossible. No, it doesn't say nigh. <clears throat> it says it's impossible to renew them to repentance. In other words, they won't come back to the truth. And that's sad to me. And I've seen that. I've seen that with a lot of people that used to come here and other places. They tasted and heard the truth, but then they missed the other things and they went back and they just won't come back. And I don't know why that is. I guess they are, they're satisfied with that. But in spite of all these concrete concepts of Father, there is a yearning to know the unrevealed spirit and the awareness in man is ever reaching out for full realization of the true source. And that's why I've said to a lot of pastors, <clears throat> They listen to me some, some of them. I mean, I'm not saying there's no pastors listening. There are some, but it's not the majority. But they say, I, I believe what you're teaching and I want to study it for myself, but I can't teach this to my people because I'll lose them. That's what they really mean is I'll lose them. But the truth is there is a yearning and a desire inside every person for more. I believe that. I believe there are millions of people sitting in churches all over the United States that want to hear more but the pastors won't give it to them. 
They won't look for it. And I think some pastors know there's more, but I think they're afraid. And you shouldn't be afraid because, first of all, they're not your people. They're Father's people. Father has give them, given to them to you to tend the flock and to teach them the truth. So this yearning is symbolized by the altar with this inscription there in this place to an unknown God. And that's why Paul, when Paul went there, he talked to him and he said, you have this altar that you've got to the unknown God. Let me tell you about that God. And I think we could do that with people sometimes if we have people that Father's leading us to and just say, do you understand the God that you worship? You've got a friend, Norma, that, that, that she doesn't. Do you understand the God that you worship? Do you really understand him? And most of them, if they're honest, will say no. And say, well, you know, the Apostle Paul went to a place where they were worshiping all kinds of gods that weren't true. But they knew there was something that they didn't know. So they made one to the unknown God just in case they missed out. And let me tell you about that unknown God. You know, and if they're not so seared in their consciousness, then they can hear you. And when you talk about his goodness and his character and his nature and his eternal love for all people. And so they, the reason, the reason father was unknown to them is because they were seeking love and pleasure again in all the wrong places. So Paul did not call the Ethians ignorant. He, he said to them, what therefore you worship in ignorance. There's a difference in saying in ignorant or in ignorance. So what you, you worship, and what's the word worship mean? Ascertain, seek, and desire to know. They were ascertaining and seeking to desire God in ignorance. They went the wrong place. He said, this I set forth unto you. So when truth has been declared, has been received by the intellect, this new state of consciousness is set up. And that's what happened to all of us who are following these teachings and those following Kay's teachings. A new st uh, state of consciousness has been getting to be set up in us, has become assured, it's been solid, and we're become, we are become spiritual conscious now. Not carnal, not intellectual conscious, but spiritual conscious. So a day or open state of divine mind has been established. And the last days to me is when my mind, my, my conscious awareness begins to open up. I had a last day several years ago. And that's when all of a sudden I begin to be, I had a twinkling of my experience and I begin to open up to spiritual truth. So when truth becomes active in our conscious awareness, that seed germ of our being, which is our contact with Father, is resurrected. It's in us, but it hasn't been tended, if you would. And it's resurrected in the seed germ of our being then, which is our contact with Father is resurrected and things begin to explode within inside of us. Understanding begins to explode. Then we have within us this assurance that this uplift is, from, is, is for the whole of being, all mankind, all women, all life, world without end, world without beginning. And the reason I say that, because in, in, in infinity and in eternality, there is no end, there is no beginning. Everything just is without end or beginning is because Father sees all things in an eternal sight with no time involved. I believe planet Earth is just the way Father created it today. Does things evolve? Yes, but that's part of God's creation. I believe, I don't believe in saying that the world's going to end. I don't believe in, uh, in uh, what do they call it, global warming. 
I don't believe in that stuff. I believe the earth changes. It has seasons. Different things take place. Just like in our life, we change. We have seasons, different things. We begin to mature more and more. We once was a child, as Paul said, but now I, I, I see more spiritually. I see as a mature adult spiritually. So the, the thoughts of the intellect do not all fall into line with truth at once, though. It does take time, doesn't it? And for that reason, some people mock spiritual mystics. They make fun of us because they, they may be there. There may be just in a beginning state and they can't quite see yet. And then the others defer it uh, as an acceptance. But it's in another time. It's going to be after we fly away. It's going to be when Jesus comes back and all the stuff that they can pour in there. But there are a few comforter messengers that form a nucleus of this strong ecclesia. And that's what the church, the name church means. It's ecclesia and ecclesia. Uh, actually means calling a calling out. That's the first Greek word to it, a calling out. Have you been called out? We've all been called out of something, haven't we? And we need to continue to be called out because there's still some carnal awareness that we're still involved in that we need to be called out of. One of them is the political system. It, it produces fear. Well, that's not God, right? And then the, the medical uh, system produces fear, definitely. And I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for what they do. But that I'm saying, Lord, call. I'm asking the Lord to let me respond to that calling out of that because I don't want the fear that they put upon me. They put a lot of fear on me. And then what? But what I like about the root word to that, ecclesia, uh, comes from ek, ek, uh, and it means uh, whence to the point whence action or motion proceeds. That's us. That's where the motion proceeds and the action proceeds. That's where the divine mind proceeds. That's where the very spirit of God, that's where real life begins to proceed out of us. It begins to flow through us, but not just through us, but to other people, right? Because we want that light to flow to other people. So uh, what it is, it's spiritual thoughts. Our consciousness begins to, uh, this motion of the spirit begins to proceed through our, our thoughts and we begin to think spiritual thoughts and not carnal thoughts. Don and I have talked about this and uh, I, there's a lot of television that we're going to quit watching. The, the, it's getting, I just have to say, it's getting worse and worse. Netflix has been taken over by a, a people and I know a couple that's involved in that from the political arena. But it's uh, this last six months to a year, I've never seen the stuff that you had to turn off. Mm -hmm. And so I'm changing our Netflix to PG movies. That's and Amazon to PG movies and that's it because we enjoy movies. But what they're doing is they're they're infiltrating our, our awareness, the awareness of people to absolute pornography and everything else. And if you watch it, you have to agree with me. And, you know, there was a time I would fast forward through some of it, but you still see it and you're still aware of it. So I'm convicted and I'm going to go back to just PG movies. And the problem is PG movies are not what they used to be either. But see... Movies used to be rated R. PG movies. Oh, PG... Let's see, what is it called? Mature audiences for 14 plus... They used to be X, not just R. They used to be X. So we've got to protect our awareness. We've got to protect our thoughts. And we've got to protect our children's thoughts. Our children are watching those things. Big time. So 
Since in thought man wandered away from father, he has seemed always to be conscious first of the body. Right? Trying to please the body, trying to satisfy the body. We look at our body, determine how old we are, how soon we're going to die. I mean, we've gotten very comfortable with saying, well, in my 80s and I die, it's okay. You know, people, when people die in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, the, the uh, people say, well, they lived to be a ripe old age. Well, no, they didn't. Mm -hmm. You know? Or you about lived your life expectancy. That's right. The doctors say your life expectancy or whatever. So the outer form, uh, if you would, became conscious of the outer form phase of himself. He has to grow into a consciousness of the spiritual. So Paul in 1 Corinthians wrote, this is, not first, this is not the first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, then that which is spiritual. Paul, I was talking to Kay about this, Paul was talking about how they were living. He wasn't presenting that as a truth, but he was talking about how they were living. They, they, they were not living as a spiritual person, you know. And so this seems to be true of man now, but it was not so in the beginning since the inner spiritual man made in Father's image and likeness was created first. Is that not true? Father made man, you know, uh, in our awareness out of the dust of the earth, and he breathed a holy breath in him and made him a living soul, right? And it didn't say much about a body. So, you know, we don't know, we're not quite sure when you look at a, spiritual being what they look like but i believe that's what god created them to be and then what happened uh the outer conscious took over if you would and the body came into existence later on when man left in their awareness in their original state of being because they lived in the cool of the day they lived in the spirit they walked in the spirit they were spiritual beings and i and yes you could see them but then all of a sudden their conscience began to change and they begin to take on the form of a body and uh, it came in existence when man left our awareness, their original state of being, holy breath, spirit, they left that awareness. So mankind had a supernatural, which means other than physical body, right? Supernatural, and natural is physical. So it's other than physical body. And when they lost sight of who they were, they mainly lived with a body consciousness rather than their true spiritual conscious. They didn't lose that supernatural body. We still have it, right? Because right. the whole Bible is about awareness. But we're very much aware of this right here, the body. And that's why I really believe with all my heart, we, and I know Kay's been teaching this too, but we've got to stay in tune with our spiritual being, who we are, our divine mind, our contact with our Father. We live out of our spiritual resources and not our physical resources. Y'all may have heard this before, and, and some of you on Facebook have watched this. Hi, Sue. It's good to see you here. Quite often, when I refer to somebody who has died, I, I, I didn't like saying that for many years. So in my lesser understanding some, in which I still say it sometimes, I would always say when somebody's body ceased to be able to hold them. And I, I like it still, but there's more truth that comes from that. And I re recently wrote a post on that and used that phrase. And our, our very dear friend, uh, Judy Miller, read the post and she replied with the following. I'm going to read this to you. She said, good morning, Roy. And reading your post last night, I experienced a giant flip of a phrase I have heard you use and I use myself. When your body can no longer hold you. I've always heard it with an understanding of a time when separation occurs due, due to some physical issue in your body. 
What I heard within me reading your post was separation occurs due to belief. This awareness of this truth caused a lot of stirring inside of me. Our awareness of who and whose we are must rise up way beyond what we have known. You're being brought back to life, and I corrected of something she had put in there, but your being brought back to life during your surgery recovery must have caused an awareness of health beyond your first understanding. What we have in Father is beyond anything we ever thought possible. We're not limited as a man thinks in his awareness. That's what she said. Big shift for me. To see the roots Father has put within us to have a great flip of understanding that changes the depth of awareness of everything I've ever thought I knew. And then I replied, yes. To be absent from the body, which means no longer aware, is to be present, which means aware, of Father, Holy Breast, Divine Supply within every part of our being. She wrote, I did not realize how much my belief systems was focused on my body being healthy and not on I am health. Isn't that powerful? Yes, it is. And so, you know, that's a lot of our problems is our focus is still on our body. Yeah. We wake up in the morning, symptoms all the symptoms, and, and I'm right there where you guys are at. I'm not saying I'm above you. I'm better than you. I'm digging through the truth, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm uh, by faith applying it to my body. You know, I wake up in the morning and I can barely walk and so my focus is on my legs and supposedly this amyloidosis is attacking the lower part of my body. And you think about that, you dwell on that, and it is real pain. But what you've got to do is, like Paul said, if there's anything worth thinking on, think on these things. So I don't deny that that's happening, but I'm going to think on the truth. The truth is, is greater is he that's within me than my awareness that's in the world. And, and so Father is greater than all of this. And the divine life in me, it's not that I'm asking Father to do something, Father has already done it, but Father's life in me is greater. The one in me is greater than the, uh, the, the me that's in the world. That's a better way of saying it. The one that's in me is greater than the me that's in the world, so I need to get into the me that's within me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in you. And, and, G, and they said, if, well, it dwell means to be comfortable, to be relaxed, to be familiar. So if I'm familiar with that spirit that's in me, it will quicken, it will aliven, it will wake up my consciousness that my body is immortal, not mortal, right? Because if it's mortal, then it's just liable to die. So I want to focus again on my body being healthy my, and healthy and not on, excuse me, my body being not healthy, but been on I am health. Donna, remind me to correct that. I have that typed out wrong here, okay? Would you take a note and have me correct that? Just type I am health. Okay, so I'm fully aware how difficult it is, as I said, but I also am aware of what it's like to live out of the cool of the day. Because the majority of my life, I experienced living out of the cool of the day. But it needs to be every day, right? It's not getting there one day and down the next day. So I've got to pay attention to what's been put in my ears, what's in my eyes, and what comes out of my mouth, right? And I have always said, and I learned this from John Cahill, Father, put a guard over my eyes, what I see, my ears, what I hear, my senses, what I sense, and my mouth, what I say. And that guard is the truth, right? When you know the truth, then when I see, I see with the eyes of Father. And I see through how people present themselves to me. 
and I see through these diagnoses that doctors are saying, thank you for the truth, uh, thank you for the, the facts, but I'm going to believe the truth. Now, I don't say that to them because I don't want to offend them, because I do appreciate what they're doing. And so what's happened... You have to say it to yourself. I just say it to myself. <laughs> so what happened, uh, we were taught most of our life uh, things, things and ver the various religions that hindered us. In Western evangelical Christianity, we were Christian. We were taught that we are a three-part being: a spirit, a soul, and the body. You know, like they teach that God is a three-part being: God, Spirit, and Jesus. That's not true. God is God. Jesus was Jesus. The Spirit of God was God. The Spirit of God was Jesus. And same for us. So we were taught our soul was our mind, will, emotions. And when our soul got saved, as in renewed, then our body would be, be redeemed. And this belief causes us to groan and travail for the body to be redeemed. Paul talked about that as though it were not. That's our problem. We're groaning for things as though they're not, and that's our problem. We still don't understand that we are what Father says we are. All things are now. There's nothing going to happen in the future. The only thing that's going to happen is more people are going to wake up to their awareness, and we're going to wake up more ourselves. So... Much of that we never became aware of, that we were one. We never became aware of, that we were spirit, holy breath, first and foremost. And the truth of the matter is our awareness needed to be redeemed. That's why it actually says, Paul said, Be ye transformed by the renewing mind, not the renewing of the mind. If we would lean to our renewing mind, which is our divine mind, then we would realize that we were redeemed from the foundation of the world. And I don't even like the word redeemed because it means we left or whatever. But we were saved. We were made whole. We were, we were provided for. And everything that we thought we could lack from the foundation of the world, and literally this body lacks nothing. It has all things. The, body, the brain has the ability to, it's the greatest pharmaceutical company in the world. It can make anything this body needs to bring, to restore it. My liver uh, in the natural is producing a mutated protein. But guess what? The life of God in me can deal with that. If the blood in me, and if you haven't heard this, your blood uh, uh, knows what protein goes to what organ, your, your liver makes different proteins and they're supposed to go to different... Your blood takes that protein to different organs. How is that possible physically? No man can explain that physically. It's God. It, it's, it's awesome. It's supernatural. It's other than natural. But something's happened in my body. Uh, they say it came from my genes. But that one is mutated and it's, it's destroying my heart. But guess what? Greater is the one in me. Greater is the very holy breath in me than that. And it can and it will swallow that up. And I'm believing I'm going to live a long time. I'm going to live as long as I'm supposed to live. And I'm going to continue to declare God's glory. Now in Romans 8.23, the King James, uh, I like to say the Catholic religion authorized King James Version stated, even ourselves grown within ourselves waiting See, there's the problem, right? Waiting for the adoption of the redemption of our body. If you're waiting for anything, you're denying that you have it, correct? If you're waiting for your ship to come in, usually people say, I'm waiting for my ship to come in, and I hear preachers say, well, you didn't send a ship out. But did I write the wrong one down? Uh-huh. Well, I'll have to correct that. Is it supposed to be... I, 
Uh, no, I think it's eight. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. Write the note down. In Romans, it says, even ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption of redemption or body. So we believe that Paul, and I was talking to Kay about this last night, we believe that Paul was speaking subjectively, as in they, they, that they and we need a personal awareness that our body is whole and always has been whole. Paul had to know that the body was whole. Paul had been stoned, and what did he do? He stood right back up. He was stoned to death, and he stood right back up. So he was speaking this way, and yes, our sight and our doctors, again, might report a, a, something and beg to differ with us, but our sense sight and our doctor's reports are not the truth. What we see physically and our doctor's reports are not the truth. What our bankers say are not the truth. What the political system says are not the truth, even though it looks like it. And we see all this stuff going on in the world, but that's not the truth of who we are. So the fact that we wish for something to take place reveals we're not fully aware of all things that Father decreed of us. Uh, are, are, and they're present in us right now and are all for now, not sometime in the future. It's not going to happen if I just study enough. The only thing that's going to happen if you study enough is you're going to show yourself approved and you're going to have a new awareness and you're going to find out that you were that way when you didn't think you were. So if we accept the contact with the divine mind, father, the principle as our true spiritual self, as a son or daughter or father and whose image and likeness we are, then we must cling to it with all our inward power. And what's our inward power? It's our holy breath. It's the voice of Father that speaks through us. We must cling to that. We are spiritual beings. There is no lack in us in our spiritual state. And that estate is the real. That's the state. So through Jesus, it was demonstrated that this estate is capable of outward manifestations. And by following his methods and staying in contact with Father, then we live as Father in our entire being. Anything Jesus did, Jesus said, we can do and even more. Isn't that correct? Anything he did. So Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And people take that in their lack of understanding, and they believe Jesus was God all by himself. But that's not true. And they taught that. I say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I say, if people seen you, you've seen the Father. I believe if you really see you, you see the Father. And I always say when you look in a mirror, what happens, your, body, your brain only lets you see what you believe yourself to be. You're seeing a lie. But you need to start looking at yourself and say, I'm altogether lovely. I am the very image of God. Well, what do you mean? I'm old and I'm... No, you are the very image of God. I believe when you start living a, a life of immortality or a thoughts, belief system of immortality... I believe it will change our outward being. I believe things will change. I believe youthfulness come, will come to us. But that's not where we're at, what we're after, except what the women are. I know that. They're all shaking their head. <laughs> but the problem is, is embracing the teachings of religiosity causes us not to see clearly, as I said in the beginning. Nevertheless, it is true. We are the body of Father in full glory. What Father created is perfect. Correct? And, it does, and it's not what Father created was perfect, and then this happened. No, what Father created is perfect. And no matter what a person's doing, what's happened to him, they're still perfect. And so, Father created the body idea. Father created the divine idea. 
and man by his thinking makes it manifest at the point of conception in the mother. Literally, when the mother conceives, the mother conceives a child that is just like God saw in the beginning, his idea, if you would. So, as Father created man in his image and likeness by the power of his words, so man, as Father's image and likeness, projects his or her body by the same power. You project yourself, what you see and other people see, by your words, by your words that you meditate on, because words are powerful, are they not? You can speak a bad word over somebody over and over and over, and it literally can destroy their life. What you say to your children will shape their future over and over. So, as Father created man in his image, and he spoke that word, then we need to agree with that word. Words, when you truly understand real words, and, and you know, then you speak the truthful word. And those words are pregnant with the power of Father's life. They take conception in you, but they also take conception in those that hear those words when you speak those words over people. That's why I so much enjoy when I go out into my world, everywhere I go, I would say at least 80% of the time I'm telling somebody that they're holy. Now my car tag tells them that, but I tell them they were born holy and they never lost their holiness. They were born one with God. God loved them from the beginning and God still loves you now and there's no but to that. And I'm telling you, they smile, they say thank you, and some say, I know that already. So words are powerful. So we experience our perfect body and our perfect world when we understand and see the perfect world, and we understand, I mean, when we know the world's perfect, and then we see the world is perfect. We see beyond what's going on out there. The truthful or not concealed word contains all the attributes. It contains the character, the nature, and the love of the Father. So again, spiritual thoughts and spiritual words project your personal body. They project your experience. They project, what does a projector do? It projects what you see, correct? So they can spend millions and millions of dollars on movies, but it's no good until they put it on a video and there's a projector, which today our projectors are television. And I can tell you what we see on that television affects our experience, amen? big time. So when the words of man, when the words of man are charged with a full understanding of the divine mind and its divine ideas, he consciously applies this knowledge in all his feelings, all his thinking, all his speaking, his living. He will be, he will be able to show forth a present perfect body and a perfect world. And all thoughts and ideas then embody themselves according to their nature. So whatever type of nature you're living out of, it could be a false nature. You know, the Damion in the Bible is a word that was translated devil. It actually means a supernatural spirit of a bad character. So we are supernatural. We're other than physical, but we can, because of our awareness, we can live out of a bad character. That's why, quote, Christians can do things just like, quote, non-Christians do. They're not much difference if they don't know these truths. So material thoughts produce a strong, uh, strong sense of material body. Spiritual thoughts produce or release our spiritual body to function as spirit. And we live and we have, move and we have our being as spirit, which is the same being as Father. In Him, what does that mean? In, in Him, we live and move and have our being. That's what Paul told those people at, at Athens. In Him, this Father that you don't know, we live and move and have our being. And I would say in contact with him, right? If you're in contact with me and you spend a lot of time with me, then you're going to 
part of your being and part of the things you do is going to be part of my life. And so if we feel like we're lacking something, we need to get into our Father. And it's so vital that we take what Paul really wrote and give this good news to everyone who will listen. This is the real good news. And most people that teach the gospel, they're not teaching the good news. They teach how God killed Jesus. That's the first thing we should have questioned. And people do that all the time. Non-believers say, why would God that loves ever kill his own son? You know, and then they come up with all kinds of religious reasons. So in Romans 1.24, in my translation, it says, Wherefore they gave up the true reality of Father through being mindful in their conscious awareness of being morally impure. Because of embracing their false misconception in their inner being, they willingly dishonor their bodies. And I'll teach on 25 on next week, but that's where it talks about they lusted after men lust after men, women after women. That's a very hard chapter to teach, except for, like I said, religious people love to teach it. But first of all, where it said, and God gave them up, if you look it up, it said they gave God up. And I'll share a little bit on that here in a little bit. But, but the authorized by the Catholic religion, King James Version, translated that verse saying that, and it's, it, it pretty much it said God gave them up for their uncleanliness. And other translators, uh, uh, it was God allowed them to do what they wanted. And, and then, you know, but my translation is wherefore they gave up the true reality of God. They gave up their awareness. Because God doesn't make us do what he wants us to do, right? We do have a free will. It's a choice we have to make. So where did they get the idea or thought about being morally impure? Well, again, uh, they ended up worshiping animals. And they became like animals, if you would. Where does people get the idea of things that they do today? Killing people. Those, the, that, that guy that killed those children, those two teachers. Where did he get it from? He began to worship those ideas and thoughts. And he ascertained and sought to know. And he watched that stuff on the internet. And it really gripes me when people say, oh, that doesn't make them do this. Oh, yeah, it does. You can go in a deep, dark hole on the internet. And... Family, if you're letting your children watch YouTube all the time, you need to pay attention because YouTube sucks them down a dark hole. Even if you go on the one for children, it refers them to more and more and more. Uh, I have a grandchild that watched one and I was in there and I was amazed at what it was doing, what it was saying to them. So, huh? It's a message that it sends subconsciously. Right. But when you watch a YouTube video, it immediately offers you more. And it, it's watching what you're watching, and it'll just, you know, like if I'm watching a minister teach, then it gives me more about a minister. But if I'm watching something else, it gives me more. And it can bring you to a darker, darker hole. And parents really need to hear this. You need to put a guard over your child's eyes, your guard's ears, your, your, your child's ears, your, your child's mouth, what they're saying. Because if they're saying things that aren't proper, they're getting it from somewhere, mm-hmm. right? So enough of that preaching there. <laughs> But they gave up their reality, so uh, truly we become like that which we worship. I worshiped a false god all my life, and that's hard for people to say, but I became like that. I became sin conscious. One time Brother Hibbard told me, and I couldn't believe he said that, but he said, I didn't realize how sin conscious you were. And that was when I was teaching John Cor- out of John Corson's teachings. But I thought, what? I'm not sin conscious, but I was. And so the biblical word worship means to seek, ascertain, and desire to know. Huh? Well, anytime you teach against something, then you're sin conscious. So they had thoughts that did not line up with who Father said they were. How many have had that before? You know, I have. 
And so where do those thoughts come from today? This might be hard for some, but mostly it came from embracing teachings of religiosity. These carnally produced thoughts typify the impure relation of life activities in one who has been in error and have, have had thoughts of life separated from the life expression being father. Life is seeing yourself as different. And one of the worst teachings in the world is to teach that God's up here and Jesus is sitting on the throne somewhere and we're down here. That's separation. That's not oneness. Leprosy, for example. Leprosy in scripture symbolizes substance so separated from the great central life source that it's lost its vitality. And what did they have to do? They had to stand afar off and they had to walk around saying, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. And we did the same thing. I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, right? And there's churches, they'll say, how many, I don't know about you, but I've sinned all, and people raise their hand up all the time. But the life in man finds expression through this avenue of the senses. Touch, taste, smell, what we hear, what we think is affected by that. So unless the senses are redeemed and uplifted, there's a, a, a tendency to utilize this pure life of Father in sense pleasure. And people do do that. The blessings of God that God has put on our lives, sometimes financial blessing, people use that for sense pleasure rather than blessing other people. And I looked this up yesterday. There was a city in the hill, hill country of Judea by the name of Zior, Z-I-O-R. And Zior in the Hebrew means reduced, brought low, littleness, smallness, and dishonored. And the Zior symbolized the inferiority of material and sensual pleasure, thought, and belief rather than thinking on the light and higher true understanding of that which is spirit. When you're thinking carnally, you're brought low and your awareness. You, you see yourself as little. You see yourself as small. And literally, you, you see yourself or you dishonor yourself. Father never does that. But what brought him low? Thinking on the wrong things. Thus, the reason Apostle Paul wrote, if there's anything worth thinking on, think on these things. Another city named Zoar, Z-O-A-R, was one of the cities on the plain which Lot escaped from Sodom and Gomorrah when it fell. Zoar means dishonored, reduced, made small, brought low, despised, and dishonored. All these descriptions are the results of one's thoughts continuing to be the wrong thoughts. You know what happened when Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah? He went up and he had relations with his, with his daughter. So he was still consumed with those thoughts. He was brought low from where he lived. Where do we live in our awareness? Where, where do we live? Where do we move? Where do we have our being? Is it from the physical world, the things that's going on in the physical, or is, or is it spiritual? And that's why it's so important to pay attention. Is this thought from the spiritual, is it, or is it from carnal thoughts? You know. So remember the apostle in this section of this letter, again, he's not, I'm getting ready to close here, but he's not condemning people for their actions. That's so important. Because I've said under a lot of teachings when I was having carnal teachings and I felt condemned many, many times. I mean, just for simple things like not giving enough tithe. Most of my life, I felt condemned. I felt most of my problems were because I wasn't given enough money, loss of jobs, can't pay my bills. You know, and I told you about that lady at Tree of Life years ago that handed me $500, $500 bills, and I knew she couldn't afford to give it. And she said she, so uh, actually, I didn't know it was her that gave it, but she couldn't help but come to me later on and say, did you get that money? And I said, 
you don't need to be given that money. She said, well, I'm trying to prove to God that I love him. And I said, no. And I, I, I gave it back to her. I said, that's the wrong reason to give and you can't afford it. Don't give it back. But that's what's happened there. So we lived and moved and have our beings on a carnal beliefs, uh, belief systems. So in his eighth epistle to the believers at Rome, I'm going to read the first part of it. Verse six, he said, for, for someone to, to seek to be mindful and desire that which is ex external is to cut themselves off from that which is spiritual. So every time we're mindful of that which is external, we cut ourselves off from that which is spiritual. Isn't that wild? When we cut, uh, I, he said, for someone to seek to be mindful and desire that which is external is to cut themselves off from that which is spiritual. That's why when you're a seeker of spiritual truth and you desire spiritual truth, that's when you go out and you look at creation, you see God. When you go to the Grand Canyon, you see God. I don't think so much about the floods making that, but I, I, I believe that God wanted that there for us to see all that beauty that takes place. Then he said, moreover, to be mindful of that which is of our holy breath brings the realization of wholeness, life, and peace. So if what you're thinking on does not bring wholeness, life, and peace, and you can add perfection there, then it's not spiritual, it's physical, it's carnal. And verse 7, if a person exercises their thoughts and desires for that which brings no life, they put, they put themselves in a position which is opposite of living as the embodiment of her father. The lustful desires for that which is not holy breath is diametrically opposed to the prescription of living out of our holy breath. That's what man did from the foundation of the world. And they didn't pass that on. But what continued is, is many of them did not get out of their religious belief system. So all those denominations and all those religions and all that paganistic stuff and all that myth mythologic continued to propagate and people would go to it and they continued to embrace it and they doing the same thing that they did at the foundation of the world. And there is an answer. Paul explained what the problem was at the foundation. He continued up till then, but he always gave, there's an answer for help. He never, ever condemned people. As you read his letters, you must always keep that in mind. It's important. So in closing, Paul starts out <coughs> uh, uh, chapter 8 of his letters with, If you understood and embraced the last seven of my letters, which I wrote to you, and for future generations, age after age, you will know and believe the following. No person, not even one, ever needs to fear to receive an adverse sentence from our Father Creator nor do they need ever to experience their religiously enforced self-condemnation coming against them, which comes with fear. They all are just as Jesus is in his eternally fixed position of being in contact with our Father. There's no separation between the Father and the sons and daughters. There has never been, nor will there ever be. So there is, therefore now, for eternity, no sense of condemnation to those who are in daily contact with Father. If you live out of contact, out of contact with Father, then you're going to have a strong sense of condemnation. But if you stay in contact with Father, how do you do that? Meditate, talk to God, listen to God, leave your leave your uh, receptor open all day long. Don't let anything close that off. And people do that all the time. You know, they're 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 seeking God. They want to know God, but all of a sudden, there's something in the world that attracts them, and it's just like they shut it off. 
How many times have I told you how uh, people, people can be uh, doing something they shouldn't be doing or whatever it is, and next thing you know, uh, a Christian song comes on and, and it makes them feel guilty and they turn it off. What are they doing? They're shutting off that reception. Don't do that because it's not condemning to you. So Jesus said the not concealed word, the truth will cause you to experience your eternal freedom. Not doing works, not laboring, not being better at anything, but you've got to hear the not concealed word and it's out there and it's available for you. And uh, these people could have heard it. If they would, they could have turned to Father. They could have listened to Father, but they, their conscience was seared and they wanted that which was essential more than they wanted that which was spiritual not knowing that spiritual is much, much more. I'm always reminded when uh, Roger Legg taught it, Brother Garner's once, much more. He went through all those much more lessons. I'm going to do that someday and explain it spiritually. But Father is, is much more in you than anything else that's gotten inside of you. And what's, where, where it's at, it's not in your body. It's not down here. It's in my conscious awareness. Too much junk has got into my conscious awareness. But greater is the one that's within me than me that's within the world. And it will swallow all that up. And it is doing that. So hope you enjoy this today. I will continue on next week. And we bless you very much. If you're part of the transcript group, I will uh, send you the uh, link to get these notes today. If any of you would like to be there, you can join it by just uh, giving a minimum of $10 a month on PayPal. Uh, my email is drdrroyerichman at cox.net. And I'll send you a link where you can download all the transcripts from what I'm teaching right now. So thank you for being here. Maura John, I'm glad you're here. It's good to see you. We love you guys. We have, uh, if you're here in the United States, we hope that you have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend and spend a lot of time with your family. And we're thankful for all your family that were veterans. I am for my dad and Donna's dad. They paid a great price for our freedom and we love them for that. So God bless you. Thank you, Anita. Love you. <music>